HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Heritage Radio Network Farm Report. I'm Lorenz Rajneri. This is my lovely co-host. Heather Hyman. And today we are going to talk to the CEO and founder of The Fruit Guys, Chris Mendelstadt. The Fruit Guys was founded in 1998 and is headquartered in San Francisco. And it offers a healthy solution to the workplace health crisis, apparently. People work long hours, eat junk food, drink jolt cola... And Chris and his company have been trying to remedy that and have had some success. Chris has been featured on CNN, on Entrepreneur Magazine, on The Big Idea with Donnie Deutsch. And we're really excited to have him here on the Heritage Radio Network because his company is one that HRN can really get behind. Hey, Chris. Hey, hey, Lorenzo and Heather. Thanks for having me. Hi, Chris. We're happy to have you here with us this Friday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So I've been doing a little research on your company and I'm really impressed by 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 what you guys do, by how you guys give back. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you hatched this idea for this company and how you executed it and put it into motion? Sure. Um, you know, our, I, I would love to be able to say that I had, uh, you know, one moment of a, a great idea, but our, our idea kind of came out a moment of desperation more than anything else. Uh-huh. Um, I... Uh, I was in San Francisco and, and uh, newly married, and I was working at a temporary job at a uh, downtown hotel, uh, uh, running faxes to hotel rooms, and um, not very happy with my career direction in my life. And, and uh, my wife and I realized that we were unexpectedly pregnant. And uh, I, although I can't uh, say I was pregnant, she was pregnant, but um, but uh, uh, I ended up saying, okay, well, I've, I've got to change my life and figure out sort of a direction, and I wanted to do something that had meaning. Um, the dot-com boom was starting to take off in 19, this is late 97, early 98, mm-hmm. and uh, a friend and I uh, said, hey, let's see what we can deliver to offices in San Francisco, and we started talking to people that were working long hours, programming code, and they said, you know, we're sitting around and, and uh, drinking Jolt Cola and eating chocolate-covered espresso beans, and, you know, this is worse than the freshman 15. We're getting, you know, the, the, the first year of work 30 or 40. And we, we said, well, what if we bring fruit? How does that sound? And it, it sort of took off from there. So who were you calling to find out about this? Were you calling, like, the people that uh, run the kitchens or the catering yeah, we, we actually, I mean, we were lucky enough to know people that were working in, um, you know, in jobs where they had some level of, of oversight into office services of some sort. So we were talking with, you know, administrators and people that sort of managed, 
you know, kitchens or the kitchenettes in the office themselves. And, and uh, we just started chatting with them and, and um, got some good feedback and made, you know, had some introductions. We also did a great deal of cold calling. I, uh, you know, I had a sales background in my past, so mm-hmm. I sort of went door to door in a couple of big buildings downtown. And, you know, we must have knocked on about, you know, 500 uh, doors over the telephone. And we got a, a couple of accounts out of that. And they, they seemed really interested in the idea. And, um, you know, we're interested in trying us out. That's really cool. So were you like a particularly healthy eater? Like, how did you decide that, that nutrition essentially was a career path that you wanted to go down? Well, I've always been somebody who's been healthy and interested in health. Um, you know, I, I've always been very physically active and, you know, played lots of sports and always been interested in keeping my, myself healthy. So this was right up my alley in terms of thinking about a product that I really could be behind and get people excited about. And, and to me, the other part that I really loved about the idea of delivering fruit was it's, it's old, but it's new, and a lot of things are so, are so new and unhealthy, but this is actually something that's been around forever and is healthy, but we just need to kind of uh, figure out a way to make new again. So the challenge for us that I got really excited about mm-hmm. is that we almost had to kind of rebrand this experience or rethink this experience of fruit in, in a modern context, and I, I, that actually really jazzes me up because it's something that's, you know, you just kind of got to reintroduce people to it and get them excited about it. Definitely. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask, not necessarily how your company works, aside from that, where do you source your fruit from? Uh, over the years, that's changed. I mean, if, as we've gotten bigger and been around longer, we've made a lot more relationships with farmers. Mm-hmm. And one of our goals now as a you know, almost 12-year-old company is to work with as many local farmers in the regions that we serve as possible. So a couple of years ago, we decided that, you know, we really didn't want to ship fruit long distances around the United States if we could avoid it, just because we didn't believe that was the way to deliver something. We would rather be as local as possible to the area we're delivering in. So we opened up a footprint. Exactly. And and we we opened a a shop then in, in Philadelphia to kind of serve that that East Coast corridor, um, and then we've also we're also working now in Chicago as well, with the idea that from those hubs mm-hmm. we you know source locally from farmers and then deliver in that region from local farmers. So we do now try to work with local farmers. We have one buyer in our organization that's only committed to you know working with local farmers. That's her job. She's right. out there talking with farmers and and finding produce and you know we're getting it in our boxes and getting it to our customers exactly so how many um how many like how big is your company how many employees do you have um i think we probably have 40 people that are you know working in the company now across the united states in different offices in total and you know we we still like to you know, we one of one of our farmers, this guy Tori Olson, mm-hmm. has a great video on our website about sustainability and how to be sustainable. You have to be economically sustainable as well, and mm-hmm. and so we often think about this idea of sustainability in our own businesses, making sure that we're you know managed in our growth, and you know we're a family. I, I you know it's a family-owned business. We own it, and we want to keep it that way as we grow, so we can kind of make good decisions about the directions we're going in and. Um, you know, to do that, we have to think every day about how we're being sustainable in our growth to both meet our goals and to make sure that, you know, we're paying people well and they're excited about their jobs. And, um, you know, we, we kind of uh, keep people happy and employed. Including the farmers as well. I assume you guys uh, 
um, pay them, you know, good wages for their fruit and, um, you're, you know, making sure to support them to the best of your ability each week? Or how does how the, the um, scheduling work with, like, how often you, you buy from them? Oh, we definitely do. I mean, we have long-term relationships with our farmers. We're definitely, you know, we look at, um, we manage our business off of this sort of concept we call the five R's that I developed back in 1999. And so we use this for our vendors, our employees, our client relations, and we ask ourselves these five basic questions that to me really relate to this question you're asking about sort of Mm -hmm. sustainability and equitability. So it's, Mm -hmm. have we been respectful to the person we're dealing with at all times? Have we been um, realistic with them about what we can? or can't do? Mm -hmm. Have we been responsive to their needs? Did we take personal responsibility for the situation we're working with? And then when we walk away, are we going to be remembered positively? So that really helps us translate the way we work into then our sustainability policy. So we have like a farm stewardship program where we try to do give back programs with our farmers. And, and, and our whole goal then is really to think about the relationships we build with people and wanting and the goal to make them long term so that they are you know, respectful and, and we're remembered positively and all those kinds of things. Well, for good business, you need good, good ethics. So I think that <clears throat> what you just described is probably a big reason why your company has had so much success. I, yeah, we've been very lucky, and I do think that that's kind of a core, it's it's really a core mission. I mean, all of our mission structure d- out of that derives kind of from this 5Rs concept, and that, you know, what the way we do things has to, um, you know, manifest in the things we do. So we have to make sure that the goals we have, if we have, you know, community goals or if we have business goals, whatever they may be, we have to then have that consistent sort of operational way of doing them in an ethical manner. Yes, that's, that is correct. So I'd like to ask, how exactly does the fruit get to the um, to the business, and who packs it? Is it the farmer, or is it someone on your staff? No, we're we're buying the fruit from the farmer directly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and sometimes, you know, off off their trucks, and you know, off the back of their, or sometimes in their orchards and mm-hmm. things like that. And um, we bring them back to our facilities, and we're packaging them up and then delivering them to our customers. Because you then make a mix of a bunch of different fruits. So say you have an orange farmer and a peach farmer, you'll get stuff from them and then you have like orders specific to companies where you they, they ask for six peaches, 12 oranges, or how does that work? That Well, yeah, that's correct. We have a couple different standard mixes. So um, like if you were to go to our website and we have, if you click the box that said, you know, in this week's mix, we actually, you can choose the region you're in and then when you're in that region, you can choose the different product. Um, and then see the mixes. We actually then break out the picture of the fruit and a little description of each piece of fruit that's going to be in that mix that you've chosen that week. So the idea is we want to give our customers as much information as we can about what the fruit is that's in there, where it's grown, um, a little history on the fruit, and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and do you guys have um, any standards in terms of like always um, like working with like the like does it have to be organic or do you try and just keep it like you know to the best practices on the farm as possible? Um, like, do you have any like you know standards in that respect? Yeah, you know, it's a good, it's a great question and one I get asked often. And when we started the business, we were trying to be you know 100% organic, and we have um, along the way um, companies asked us very legitimately, you know, hey, you know, this is kind of expensive. Can we get something less expensive? And so we do sell both conventional and organic product. Mm-hmm. Um, and the philosophy there is that you know we would rather have somebody pick yeah. up a banana than a Twinkie, and mm-hmm. that that's kind of our lowest. Comp- the denominator, to be honest, mm-hmm. is 
we start there and say, look, if we can encourage somebody to eat healthy um, versus eating junk food, that's that's a great first yeah, step. Yeah, one step closer yeah, to the. It, it, one step closer to the ultimate, yeah. And then, and then what we do in a lot of even our conventional mixes, we'll work with a farmer. For example, we work with this great organic uh, Valencia orange grower in the summertime out here on the West Coast. And uh, what we do with, is we actually insert all of his organic oranges into even our conventional mixes. So we're trying to support the farms we choose sort of philosophically in our own um, business to then support are, are the ones that are going to be the smaller community family farms. A lot of them on the West Coast are going to be organic. Um, and, you know, we're trying to really then support those farmers and what they do even beyond just the organic mixes that we put out to our customers. And for those of our listeners that aren't on your website, um, to take a look at the fruits and the weekly samplers right now, what is your website? Oh, so it's fruitguys.com, just you know, www.fruitguys.com, one word. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to see the mixes we have there, you can actually just click on that big red bar in the front that says, you know, in this week's mix. And and it'll show you the different mixes we have by region and, and you know, uh, let people know sort of where things are from and what, what we're delivering. And then they could set up an account with you, and then do they order by, like, how many employees they have, or just is it, like, a standard how many pounds? Yeah, we um, we – our boxes are either 50 or, t- or 25 serving boxes, and um, you can either order it online if you wanted to, or you could actually even call us. I mean, we actually have, we take customer service very, uh, uh, Im- you know, we think it's very important, and we take it very personally. So we, we have uh, a number of customer service people on the phone starting West Coast time at 6 a.m. and going till 5 in the evening. And, um, it, and that's, uh, that's 1-877-FRUIT-ME, mm-hmm. if anybody uh, <laughs> needs to remember that. So uh, that's what that is. Well, whenever you're dealing with food, it's always nice to be able to reach someone on the other end, especially when you may not see the person that you're, you know, purchasing it from. Yeah, exactly. And and we and we recognize that, you know, we're in a very uh, a business where it is tangible and it is personal, and we want we actually want to connect people with the story of the fruit and the grower. We want to educate people about what it is they're eating so that they know and that they're aware and. And even to the point of exposing them to things maybe they haven't eaten before um, and may have even possibly been afraid to eat before, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're going to do passion fruit coming up in another couple of weeks here. And, you know, the best time to eat them was when they're crinkly and ugly looking. And we really do, a, we try to do a good job educating our customers about, you know, it's a wonderful piece of fruit and this is how you eat it and this is when you want to eat it. And, um, and hopefully we, we're, we accomplish that and then can get them excited about looking for that fruit in their daily lives. Definitely. So if I was the CEO of Coca-Cola and you were pitching me, Chris, on your company, what would you say to me? Impress me with some statistics. <laughs> some statistics? Um, well, it's a, how, how am I pitching Coca-Cola here? <laughs> so, um, yeah, in terms of giving them an employee wellness program, we, um, you know, our whole, our whole desire is to come into a company and replace the junk food that's in the office. And, um you know, we do have to, uh, we, we are, do encourage them to either cut back on their junk food budget uh, and either uh, add replace fruit and, or replace it out outright 100%. Um, you know, there's a lot of statistics. There was a Duke University study that came out a number of years ago that talked about, you know, that people that are, and, and I hate to use this word because I think it has, has multiple implications, but for lack of a better word, I will use it. But I think the, the obesity word sort of in terms of saying that people that are, that fall into a high BMI category category or classified as obese mm-hmm. have a much higher rate of absenteeism and if they are injured for example on the job in terms of a workers comp claim that their incidence is going to be um, you know 
know, uh, many more times, uh, the recovery is going to be many more times longer than somebody who is classified at a, BM, at a normal BMI level. So there's, there's statistics like that that we use when we talk to people around why just being healthy and encouraging people to be healthy is important. But I would even say that if you just bring in a box of fruit for one week and see how it changes your corporate morale, that for the, for the low cost of having fruit in your office, even if it doesn't impact the health, mm-hmm. the morale change in your office is palpable, and it's, it's actually pretty unbelievable. I mean, people get excited. It's, it's the new water cooler of the 21st <laughs> century, as we talk about, you know. And, but, but what they're doing is they're not gossiping about just random stuff. They're saying, hey, what did you eat? What did you try? And they're getting excited about nutrition in a way that we think has a much longer-term impact than, um, uh, than has been measured before. And we really think that that's something that's exciting and new about this. Yeah. So in one way or another, you're saying that having fruit in the workplace helps companies make more money. It, well, it does. I mean, we, we do believe that, you know, um, being healthy is, is both good for the employee and it's ultimately healthy, you know, healthy for the company. I mean, if your employees are healthy, then your financials and your company are going to be healthy. I mean, we see it here at the Fruit Guys. I mean, people, when you're healthy, you're, you're coming into work, you're more on your game, uh, you're more energetic, I think, about what's going on. I think when you are feeling unhealthy uh, or when you're, you know, cranked up on sugar and feeling like you can't see through the the glucose haze of your own eyes because your your blood sugar is so high. I mean, those kinds of things do bring your work down. And, I, you know, as somebody who lives the life of somebody who eats fruit and enjoys healthy food, I, I really do believe that to my core. So That's great. Um, I know one of the Fruit Guys' goals is to be a good community partner. What initiatives are you taking to bolster the community values at the core of your business? We have a couple of ways of looking at this. So we, we actually look at community partnership in terms of our own supply chain, and we think about the touch points in our supply chain and say, you know, where are the points where we're interacting with people with different handoffs, and what can we do with those handoffs to be better community partners at each point, at each node on that supply chain? So on the, on the, on the farm side, we look at it and say, well, okay, how can we either work with farmers and support them with our business is one, but then also to think about how we can even go beyond on that and support them with things that they may need. So uh, we actually have somebody who heads up our farm stewardship program where we're looking for sort of natural ways to help a farmer. So we, you know, recently donated bees, for example, to a farm that was having pollination issues and, you know, uh, wanted to help him. So he wasn't trucking bees in from far away and then having to both pay for the service of bringing the bees in and then adding to the carbon footprint with the trucking of the bees in and all this stuff. We actually set up beehives and paid for that and had a, a bee installation done on his farm. Um, and we're really cool. proud of that one because there's a video on our website. It's one of, apparently it's one of the only videos in the world that shows this very uh, peaceful way of actually engaging a queen bee into the hive. And we didn't even realize wow. that, that we were doing that at the time. Yeah. It's a very cool, cool video on our website. That's and then we also have done other farm stored programs around bats. So we had a guy who was having, you know, coddling moth issues and, and wanted to deal with moths. And we looked at like, okay, well, how can we, inst- how can we do this naturally? So, you know, let's install bat boxes and encourage the growth of, of bat families hmm. on that farm so that they eat the moths and it reduces his need for even sort that's of mineral oil sprays, way. which are a very organic way of dealing with that kind of stuff. So there, that's on the farm side. On the community side, then, we looked and said, well, when we deliver into a business community, what are some of the things we can do that are give-back programs that support that community, that city and that urban kind of community that we're really delivering into? 
Um, so we have a program in, in San Francisco in the Bayview Hunters Point area where we donate fruit to a couple of young women who are um, entrepreneurs in their own right, and they go around to um, people in a low-income community and deliver door-to-door uh, fresh fruit for very, very low cost, a couple of dollars for a bag that would normally cost 20 or $30 uh, to people that are homebound or people that are looking for affordable fruit. And that's something that we've, we've sponsored that program. That's called the Something Fresh Program. And that's a program that, as we grow, I'm very interested in finding ways to kind of integrate that uh, in, in broader contexts other than just San Francisco Barrier. But that's sort of an ongoing process for us. Um, the other thing we do is we do a lot of donations. So we donate on the East Coast, in Chicago, and on the West Coast all of the fruit that doesn't meet our uh, quality standards in terms of you know sizing or in terms of the, the look and feel of the fruit itself. So donate we're, we're a crate. donating. Is that, Sorry, go ahead. Is that the Donate a Crate program? Uh, no, that's actually that's a holiday program we do. Okay. Uh, that that program is where companies can actually during the holidays when they're closed, or or during the year even if they'd like to, they can actually pick a cause and donate their crate to a cause of their choice. And we do that. This other program is more like the stuff that we don't use, and we donate to these then um, shelters or to to groups that then redeploy that fruit uh, to people in need. And we donate. We right now it's about over a hundred thousand pounds a year of fruit to those organizations across the United States in total throughout the United States. Nice. And um, we read, I read a little something about um, uh, planting pear trees. Can you tell me what that project or what that activity entailed? We're doing, um, we, do, we do work with some schools as well, and um, we have a school program. So uh, one of the things we wanted to do is, again, our, our our idea is we just don't want to sell fruit to people. We actually want to think about how we integrate mm-hmm. fruit and health into into living. And so we looked at this and said, well, how can we uh, make this program more exciting? And we decided to plant uh, pear trees at uh, this or pear tree at this one school. And we've done that a couple of times. We've um, we also do other programs as well. Again, it's very tailored mm-hmm. to what that need is. So if a school says, hey, we really need to do a presentation to the kids where we bring somebody dressed in a banana suit and get them excited about nutrition. We'll do that as well. So there's there's all sorts of ways we look at kind of engaging people that go beyond just you know delivering fruit to them. To be honest, has that happened with the banana suit? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so. well, I saw it on the website. Wow, awesome! <laughs> Lots of times. I mean, but also f- from a business point of view, I mean, being an ethically and being an ethically supportable company also improves your marketability to, to these places because you can tell Coca-Cola that by getting behind you, they're getting behind all these other ventures that you're taking on. And they're becoming a more responsible member of the community. I, I agree. We like to think we like to think so, too. We like to think so, too. Um, and again, I mean, that's that's what we, we would hope for that as a result. That's not the reason why we do it, but I, I, I agreed. I oh, mean, definitely I would hope not that the re- people, no, right. people see it that way. I agree. Right, right, right. I mean, it's indicative of a way of thinking. Right. It's positive. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and also, too, we're trying to get people, part of this is, is let's get people aware of even what some of the issues are. I mean, I think part of the issue around the, um, the Bayview Hunters Point program or some of the other things is, you know, we, we do have very real food deserts. I mean, we do have very real areas where getting access to fresh fruits and vegetables that are healthy for people or, or motivating people to take a look at it or even educating people about what it is is difficult. And we want to you know, we want to be uh, advocates for trying to get that information out there and make people aware that there are some inequities out there that need to be addressed. 
Well, what are some of the biggest challenges you have faced with your company up to this point? Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's challenges every day, of course, mm-hmm. in any business. I mean, we've, one of the hardest ones, being, being sort of a, a self-funded family business, is you know, we, we went through both at the same time where we were lucky to be in the Bay Area when the dot-com boom was taking off. You know, we were also um, on the backside of that. You know, there's, there's karma to everything, and we also had to then deal with the, the dot-com bust. Uh-huh. Which, which really almost put us out of business. I mean, I, I thought I was being very savvy as a business person when I heard through the grapevine that Webvan um, was, if you remember Webvan there, that company that was delivering, going to deliver groceries to everybody in, in a truck out of a central location in Oakland, and uh-huh. they had spent tons of money developing the system, and they, they quietly were selling off their trucks to, uh, you know, to try to raise money to stay in business at oh, the end man. of their lifespan. And we went and we bought five trucks. And I thought I was a very savvy business person. And I, you know, I picked up these trucks for half price, and I was so excited about it. And look what I had done. And literally two months later, the bottom fell out of the economy and, mm. and our business. And I was stuck then with these trucks, and they weren't moving. And it was a great lesson for me about trying to think about how we grow and expand so that we are sustainable and that we are um, modeling our business in a way that's expandable and contractable so that we can kind of surf the waves that the economy throws at us. And I would have to say that then the changes we have made since that point and that learning that we did back in, in 2001 and two, they have served us very well in this current recession as we've been able to you know, get through this without layoffs and continue to grow our business and think about how we expand the concept of our business and all those kinds of things as well. So you're saying basically that once you realize that there's once you realize that there's a value of getting fruit to consumers, then you find a way to make the profit margins work regardless of the ups and downs of certain situations. Well, we we develop new products, we think about, you know, markets. I mean, we're doing all those kinds of things to think about how we can grow our business and um you know, um you know, so we're we're constantly changing. I mean, you know, uh, my my dad's got a great saying that if you're not growing, you're dying. You know, and he's he's been in you know he's he's somebody who's been in business and knows about business. And I I used to hate that saying because it, it's very sort of depressing at some level, right? Like you're you're on the treadmill and you can never get off. But the part that I do take about it that's very positive is you always have to be innovative. And I think that's actually to me what the real lesson there is. It's not that you have to grow revenue all the time mm-hmm. but you better be growing your ideas and your thoughts and your and your opportunities and the way you're thinking about the changing world and I, and I think that it doesn't just apply to business it applies to looking at global warming it applies to looking at you know uh, everything that we do and the way it, it, it even applies to the way we're looking at healthcare right now that it's a constantly evolving process that we need to keep thinking and coming up with new ideas and that part can never stop you, you have to keep creating you have to keep being innovative along those lines or else, or else you will stagnate and you will not move forward. That is, that is my belief. No, I definitely like the words you uh, seem to live by. That that's really nice. Is your educational background in business? Um, it is and it isn't. I mean, I, I, I think I learned. My dad um, is a, was a business professor, and, and um, so I, I think I got my business learning sort of through discussion at the dinner table, uh, almost in a case study way, just like <laughs> learning about all the horror stories that, you know, things that could go wrong. And, um, you know, those are the things I think I, where I learned my biggest, uh, you know, had my big, biggest education. I did go to uh, a school in Washington, D.C., American University, 
where I took business classes and graduated with a business degree. But I would actually say my, my biggest business degree was I, I ran a, a franchise of College Pro Painters when I was in college, which was a, uh, a business where I would um, go sell painting jobs in, in residential neighborhoods. And then I would organize the, the painters and I would train them and I would, you know, manage painting jobs to, to make money through this, this summer to, you know, fund myself going to school. And that was actually probably the best learning That's I could cool. have done because I, I just, you can't get any better learning than, you know, when you've spilled oil-based paint in somebody's house and you're dealing with a very angry customer and trying to figure out how you're going to ever make to that better and the fix the situation. Yeah. Was it like uh, you and a group of like your buddies from college, like painting? Like you guys yeah. employed yourselves? Yeah, I mean, except it was a College Pro is actually a, a franchise business out of um, out of Canada originally, and mm-hmm. they they were expanding in the United States, and I was one of their first interior painting managers, and that was a great experience for me because I had to, I learned a lot in those four years. Believe me, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think I could have jammed as much learning into ten years of school that I learned just doing that kind of work. Yeah, work on the job experience. It's always good. But, and the, yeah, and then I mean, there's other stuff that I think is in effect to me. I mean, I I actually moved out to San Francisco to be a writer. I mean, I I didn't want to be in business. I actually tried to get away from being in business. And I I think that kind of the artistic pursuits that I bring to the way that I think about business and innovation and is really actually what it what keeps me excited about being in business and what makes me think that we can positively affect change in the world because I approach it not from just a bottom line business standpoint but really from more of kind of a you know what's the what's the level of self-actualization for the business here? I mean, what's, what's the meaning that is here? Almost like a writer would look for meaning and say, you know, what's, what's the theme here in this business, in my life, that sort of, you know, connects me to getting up in the morning and being excited about doing my job? And that's the part that actually really drives me, and that's, that's what I get excited about and feel that if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would be, quite honestly, a business person. I don't think I would be. I don't think I could be mm-hmm. um, if I didn't have that, that meaning portion that goes along with it. Huh. That's probably why you're so successful, actually. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you know, I think I also have some, bring some of the skills that you need. Like, I mean, there's, there's kind of that thing about there's the technical knowledge of running a business, and then there's the inspirational knowledge. And I think, you know, I think I do have enough technical knowledge because I did run that college pro painting business where I just I know what I need to do to run the business. Um, but then you need to also have that inspirational kind of factor involved. And I think both of those things together are important. And um, and I got I got that from a lot of places. I mean, I you know after college I traveled around the world for a while, and and I think seeing different cultures and the different values people hold in different places was also very informative to me about you know bringing those things back and embedding them in my business. Wow. Well, I must say I'm really impressed with the way you describe your goals and your and your your company's mission. And we here at HRN can definitely get behind the Fruit Guys. Again, check up check out their website www.fruitguys.com. And check us out on the archives at www.heritageradionetwork.com slash archives. We'd, of course, love to thank our sponsor today, Hearst Ranch. And our brilliant engineer, Nat Wiener. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Chris. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Nice meeting you. We hope to have you guys on again. um, All the best for the fruit, guys. All right. Take care. You as well.